Sensational stop by Sparty. Interception by Angelo Gross. First touches for Kenneth Walker. And a breakaway down on the far sideline. And Kenneth Walker will take it to the house. This is Spartan Red Zone, your source for the best MSU and college football analysis, picks, banter, and anything else going on in the college football world. Now for your host, Nathan Stearns. Welcome into the latest edition of Spartan Red Zone from the basement of Holden Hall. I'm your man, Nathan Stearns, joined alongside by the wonderful All-American boy, Aiden Champion. I'm going to stop calling Zach the All-American boy and start calling Aiden the All-American boy. Folks, we apologize. We know it's been a little bit of a long time since you've been able to hear us, but we had Thanksgiving break, obviously finals coming up this week. So we operate on the university's calendar, which I'm sure is a little bit different than, you know, the traditional Monday through Friday, nine to five hours that I'm sure some of you are accustomed to working. And it's really interesting if you're a journalism major, because you're kind of stuck in no man's land right now. We have at least me, I have like all of my finals this week instead of next week. And I'm only taking six credits this semester. Um, you know, two senior capstone classes. I came into this year only needing 11 and it's like, I know I need to do good on these. You know, the, one of them is going to be run on WK Air's website, but I want to go home so bad. Like, I like you're in this no man's land of how much effort do I give? And it's the never ending thing of like senior, senior burnout is real, folks. I'm telling you, Aiden and I are in our last years of college and like the academic motivation has gone down the window. Like focal point next semester for me might be a complete bleep show. I hope that Mike Castellucci and Bob Gold don't listen to this podcast, but we're in we're in for a little bit of a treat the next three days, Aiden, I think. Yeah. Uh earlier this week I was I was in a bit of a panic mode. I was considering all the things I had to get done uh before the semester ended, but now today I'm feeling a little more refreshed. I finally see that that light at the end of the tunnel. But like you said, it's 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 hard as hell to to look at that when you got this stuff you gotta you gotta finish like what uh what kobe said job's not finished but uh but yeah i'm uh i'm ready for it to be done i just i just came over here from my last class of fall semester so that's always um that's always a um, bittersweet like a, yeah feeling. like a gratifying feeling yeah i i had mine earlier in the day with uh jern force and this is the thing i don't like about the holidays right and this is this is going to be a cranky uncle scrooge nathan um it's the season of christmas cookies and holiday bark and mistletoe and eggnog it's always a mild kick in the pants whenever you go to a christmas party or whenever your teacher your professor brings in like christmas cookies and chocolate chip cookies and eggnog and all you know these different milky sort of things it's like, oh, great, can't have that, can't have that, can't have that, can't have that. Like, in the last week, you know, love Joanne dearly, not her fault whatsoever. She's brought, like, cookies and eggnog and the whole buffet in three times. It, it, every day it's a little bit more of a kick in the pants because everybody's sitting there eating their cookies and everybody's sitting there, you know, with a big smile on their face, and I'm sitting in the corner like, yep, I feel great right now. I'm like, you 
couldn't have brought a box of Pop-Tarts or something, like strawberry, raspberry Pop-Tarts, but you know, I, uh... You're gonna make me cry, man. I mean, it's it, 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 I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it, it like, normally, I, it doesn't bother me, but this time of year, it gets a little frustrating because it's so much more. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like Christmas, this, oh, I'm gonna try this Christmas latte. Ooh, this Christmas wonderful pumpkin pie. Ooh, I'm like, God dang it! But anyway... Folks, one person who doesn't feel sorry for me or anybody is MSU head coach Mel Tucker, Michigan State, finishing the regular season with an outstanding 10-2 record, 7-2 in the Big Ten, knocking off gritty Penn State on November 27th in the snow, in the sleet, 30-27, Jaden Reed doing his best Randy Moss impression on a 4th and 15 touchdown catch over Joey Porter Jr. that helped salt that Michigan State Victory Reed goes for six catches, 89 yards, one touchdown, hit a gain of 23 yards. Kenneth Walker, despite obviously still playing through some pain, some hamstring issues, just really, really sore right now. 30 carries, 138 yards, one touchdown. We'll get talk about him a little bit more later. But as a result of that win, you're going to the Peach Bowl, and Aiden Fermi, that was a program-defining win. Not the program-defining win that Mark D'Antonio talked about in the season finale in 2019 when MSU barely beat a 3-9 and Maryland team, 19-16 to to get to six wins and to get to the Pinstripe Bowl. If you guys remember that year, they had to beat Rutgers and Maryland, two of the worst teams in the Big Ten that year, just to get to six wins, just to get to one of those bottom-tier bowl games, just to keep that, um, that bowl sort of eligibility season alive. But it, was, it wasn't even the fact MSU won that game. It was the fact that you had the report by Brett McMurphy that, oh, MSU might be without six or eight starters, that you know Kenneth Walker's hurt. Jaden Reed was was uh, walking around the sideline the previous week, you know, in that 56-7 reckoning against Ohio State with a boot on. He left that game. Jalen Naylor obviously didn't play, but, you know, you had heard rumors that guys on the offensive line and guys on the defensive line were battling through a nasty flu bug that Penn State was dealing with the week previous where Sean Clifford couldn't get out of the first quarter and you had 35 guys on the Nittany Lions sideline that were dealing with various ailments, you know, associated with the flu, dehydration, fatigue, exhaustion. And there really was no certainty as to who was going to play. Jaden Reed didn't practice all week. When you take all of that into consideration, after you lost by 49, after you lost a, a chance to go to the Big Ten championship game, after you lost a chance to go to the college football playoff and you still found a way to win, that says a lot, Aiden. Yeah. And it uh you know, it wasn't it was far from a from a pretty win, but it was a very fitting finish to this it's it's been kind of a I guess you can say it's been a roller coaster ride of a season for Michigan State. Um I I only hesitate to say that just because of the success that they started out with. Um, especially after uh, the Michigan win. But, you know, like you said, you're coming off a, a gruesome, historic blowout loss to Ohio State. How do you bounce back from that, come home and finish the season strong? You're facing all this adversity with uh, players who are questionable. Their availability is questionable in the contest. And, um, you know, you got guys who are injured, uh, suffering Ill from Ill illnesses and uh, the weather was definitely a factor, um, but as as they've done all season, they found a way to win, and um, this was a very good Penn State team that they did beat. Well, give credit to Scotty Hazelton. 
that first half was ugly. Obviously, Penn State drives down the field. Sean Clifford finishes 23 for 34, 313 passing yards, three picks, no touchdowns, a QBR of 83.2. But Jahan Dodson was that X factor for me. Had 82 receiving yards in the first half. Had those two scores. Finished with eight catches for 137 yards. So he got open a couple times in the second half. But by and large was really, really reduced to a shell of what he had been in the first half. And give credit for Hazleton and Mel Tucker for kind of throwing the book at him. Throwing everything but the kitchen sink to use a popular colloquialism. You know you're swinging for the fences when you have Justin White, a walk-on corner and a transfer from Northern Mesa, a small Division II university down in Arizona, you have him across from Jahan Dotson, who's one of the best wide receivers in the Big Ten and is going to have a very, very good career. Might be a top first to second round overall pick. We'll have to see. But you had Xavier Henderson across from him. And, you know, we're not going to dwell on this game for too long, but... At least for me, Aiden, this was the, you hear coaches all the time that say, we're going to be a four-quarter team. We're going to be a team that can play through the elements. You know, you tell us anytime, anywhere, we'll suit up our chin straps and we'll be there. You know, whether it's a concrete parking lot, whether it's a mud field, whether it's the bayou of Louisiana, you know, it doesn't really matter. And more often than not, it seems like that message rings upon deaf ears because it's so watered down it's so overused of oh you know we're going to be mentally tough you know we're going to get punched in the mouth and you know we're going to be able to fight back and for me after you go ahead 14 to nothing that's not the impressive part the 14 to nothing league quickly went to 14 to 14 it quickly went 21 to 17 where you needed a drive in the snow in the rain you had third and long conversions you know 23 to 20 two big turnovers um the fourth and one stand in Michigan State's red zone where Kayvon Lee's trying to run the ball and then Noel Harvey comes from his Mike linebacker spot and just fills that A-gap like a bat out of hell and just swarms him. Um, Not enough good things, I think you can say, and it really, it doesn't completely erase the sting of the Ohio State loss, especially considering what U of M's doing right now, but it comes close. And as a result of that outstanding performance, Michigan State's going to a New Year's Six Bowl, folks. And we talked about it. This was the bottom line, I think, for me. And Aiden, I don't know if it was the bottom line for you, but I think it was. You ha- After starting off 8-0, you had to get to a New Year's Six. You could not finish the year 9-3. and three. You could not lose three out of your final four games. This was a game you had to win. You had to end the regular season on somewhat of a solid note. And if you only win nine games, you're, going to either, you're probably going to the Outback Bowl. Because Iowa, by getting shellacked in the Big Ten Championship, is obviously going to the Citrus Bowl. You don't deserve to make a New Year's Six at nine wins of the Big Ten, but you surely do when you're 10-2, and two, when you're 7-2, and two, and one of the teams you beat is a college football playoff team. That is a big accomplishment to get to where Mel Tucker is now. Not, not even the fact that, you know, it's the Peach Bowl. You know, you for those of you that don't know the... New Year's Six Bowl games are, all right, let's see, rapid fire. The Sugar Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, the Rose Bowl. Did I say the Orange Bowl already? No. I don't think I said the Orange Bowl. The Peach Bowl, and, oh, I'm forgetting one. But I got Cotton, Sugar, Rose, Orange, Peach, and um, the Fiesta Bowl. So, in that instance, you know... It's the fact that you got there. Obviously, MSU needed a little bit of help to get there. If Cincinnati loses, MSU's in Florida. If Michigan loses, MSU's in Florida. But 
the Spartans put themselves in a position, and now they're in a position to reap the benefits. And just getting to the Peach Bowl is a resounding success this year. It definitely is. I think I I too think it was necessary um, at this point uh, for them to to secure a, a spot in the New Year's Six Bowl because you know even though this team started out. Um, uh, they were projected to finish in the bottom of the Big Ten. You know, you you get to Michigan week. They beat Michigan at home. And, um, you know, there's talk about, does this team have what it takes to win the East? They don't end up winning the East. They get blown out by Ohio State. And it just seems like everything that they had worked for had almost gone out the window. But, you know, this, uh, this team should have made a New Year's Six Bowl, and they did. They... Um, anything else I feel like at this point would have been uh, a disappointment. So they got it done, and we'll we'll see how they finish. Well, I agree with you. I think, you know, I was watching, the, and this is where I differ from a lot of the people that we work with and a lot of the people that we have worked. There is a lot of people, oh, I want Michigan to lose. I don't care what happens to MSU. I want Michigan to lose because that way we can obliterate them for – Blowing to Iowa, who is, in my opinion, the fourth best team in the Big Ten. I think the real Big Ten championship game was that game on the 27th in Ann Arbor. Those were the two best teams in the Big Ten, and you can't convince me otherwise. And MSU right now would beat Iowa because Iowa doesn't have an offense. And with all that being said, this is the one issue I have with Michigan State fans. You are way too focused on what Michigan is doing you want Michigan to feel so badly, even if it hurts your own team. And that's where I have to draw the line. Like, don't get me wrong. I love seeing Michigan stumble and face plant on a mud pie probably more than any of you guys. I hate that university. But, oh, well, there's not a big difference between the Peach Bowl and the Citrus Bowl. Oh, yes, there is. There's a massive difference. One's a New Year's Six Bowl. One's a playoff game every three years on a rotating basis. The other one's a nice, yeah, good, yeah, we went to the Citrus Bowl. It's a nice 8-4, and 9-3 and three bowl against whatever. This is going to be a bowl game between a champion of a Power 5 conference, the ACC probably the third best football conference in America, and a 10-win Michigan State team that has one of the best, if not maybe other than Alabama beating Georgia, the best win in college football this year. You beat the number two, I guess, now the number three team in the country. Or, yeah, no, the number two team in the country, I get. Mm -hmm. Keep getting Georgia and U of M mixed up. But there were so many people on Twitter, oh, God, I don't care what happens to MSU. Just let Michigan fail. Guys, Michigan needs to win for MSU to get into the New Year's Six. Like, what what are we doing here, guys? Like, no, bowl games still mean something. I know the Rose Bowl's been watered down a little bit and the fiesta bowl has been watered down a little bit with the auto bids and you know how some of the bowl games like the rose have that automatic time with the pack 12 but i mean the peach is at large at large the fiesta is at large at large this year and for me it was you know there's no question and you know i think aiden i think you're on the same wavelength with me you can't not only did you have to get to a new year six but i was willing to to cheer for anybody that was going to help msu did help msu get there yeah and there's still, you know, there's a lot on the line with this game. You can finish the season strong by knocking off, knocking off the, um, the ACC champs, and you can um, secure your yourself as a team that, you know, as an eleven win team, and they're gonna be if they win, 
which I, we're going to get into this game, but if they were to win, they'd finish as a top 10 team in the nation. And that's, that's huge. Uh, especially as I said earlier, just the expectations for this team going into the season and just how big of a leap they made. And yeah, like you said, Stearns, there's there's still a lot to play for here, and these bowl games do matter. Well, and they do, and conventional wisdom kind of goes out the window. Um, obviously, Michigan State will be taking on the number 12-ranked Pittsburgh Panthers, who are where they are now because of the blowout win that they had over Wake Forest in the ACC championship game. Pittsburgh's a bit of an interesting story, obviously. Mark Whipple, their offensive coordinator, resigns. That's not a small thing. He obviously, you know, now heading to Nebraska to be their offensive coordinator. He had to get probably a double salary raise or something because I don't know who would voluntarily go to Nebraska now. Seems kind of like a last-ditch effort for Scott Frost to try and save his job. Kenny Pickett, uh, current Heisman Trophy finalist, who's thrown for over 4,100 yards this year and has 42 passing touchdowns. Scares the living daylights out of me, but he might not play when I Dan Patrick's radio show a couple days ago and said, you know, the in no uncertain order that the uh, that the resigning of Whipple kind of caught him by surprise, and now he's evaluating with his team and with his coaches and with his family. Do I play? Do I not play? Do I get ready for the NFL draft? We'll see how that goes. The coaching carousel is obviously off its rocker with, you know, I'm not going to recap all the moves because, you know, I'm sure you guys know if as long as you haven't been living under a rock, but... Brian Kelly going to LSU and then Marcus Freeman getting promoted and Lincoln Riley going from Oklahoma to USC. And now you have Mario Cristobal going from Oregon to Miami and Clemson's athletic director going with him down to Miami. It's just been a mess, but these bowl games are weird. The good thing on the Michigan state side is we haven't heard anything we haven't really seen anything that stinks in terms of guys not participating. I think Kenneth Walker, Jalen Naylor, Jaden Reed, if they can go, they will go. And that's going to be important because a fully healthy Kenneth Walker, Naylor should be back. He's got almost a month to recover. That would give him, that would be two months since, you know, we, we I don't know. It's something with his fingers. It's probably, you know, either a break or a, you know, like a hairline fracture. Or the rest. That'll heal up in two months. I can tell you that, you know, give, he was back at practice, you know, from what we were able to observe the week of the Penn State game, wasn't doing a lot, was, you know, working off on the side, but clearly taking steps in the right direction. But the big story this week in, you know, as we try to do when we try to capture everything kind of in a moment's time has been the transfer portal and the upcoming signing day on December 15th. Guys, Mel Tucker's, le Mel Tucker's left the building. Like the day after MSU goes 10-2, and two, you're already starting to see the movement with getting Jalen Berger from Wisconsin and obviously MSU getting Jacoby Winman, the second team All-Mountain West selection for the UNLV running Rebels this year. And then earlier today getting Aaron Brule, a guy who started at Mississippi State for multiple years and had 52 tackles this year, was fourth on the team and had over 140 tackles and double-digit tackles for losses during his time down in Mississippi State. And, you know, we'll dissect these additions a little bit more. But then you have Ricky White leaving, Michael Gravely leaving, Emmanuel Flowers leaving, Michael Dowell leaving. And then I think there's probably going to be more on the way. So, Aiden, I'm going to ask you, who do you think are some of the most likely players for MSU that are going to enter the portal here portal here in the next 
two or three days as MSU continues to add on by bringing in new guys? Uh, um, to enter the portal? Yes. Jeez, I... I'm being honest, I haven't thought about it, but, uh, you know, I can tell you, man, it's, it's tough because a lot of these guys really have established themselves, uh, this year in, on, in this MSU, um, game plan, you know, especially with, with Tucker's uh, use of his rotation. Um, I, I gotta be honest. I, I, I don't have an, I don't have a solid name for you. Um, you can give me one and we can discuss it. I'll tell you that. Well, I have like four, but that, that's beside the Hit me with one. I'm thinking Jordan Simmons because with Berger coming, they're trying to get Javon Gibbs at Georgia Tech. He's probably looking at RB4 right now, RB5. I mean, you got to think Berger's going to be ahead of him. Let's say they don't get Gibbs. I think Gibbs will probably either go to Tennessee or Alabama. Berger's going to be ahead of him. Harold Joyner's going to be ahead of him. You would have to think a fully healthy Elijah Collins would be ahead of him. And it, it remains to be seen if is going to bring in everybody, but I don't think he's going to be content to share reps with Davion Prim and Donovan Eaglin on the scout team. I'm thinking one of the reserve defensive tackles, maybe Jalen Hunt, maybe Deshaun Mallory, because you got to remember Simeon Barrow's coming back next year, yeah. Jacob Slade's coming back next year, Maverick Hansen's coming back next year, Derek Harmon's coming back next year, and then you're bringing in Alex Van Sumer in the four-star from Essexville Garber. That is a mouthful to say. And then I'm thinking one of the tight ends, whether it be Parks Gissinger, whether it be Trenton Gillis, and I'm surprised Trenton Gillison didn't leave at the end of last year, but you're bringing in, obviously, Michael Masunas, who's a higher three-star recruit. It's going to um, Hamilton High School in Chandler, Arizona. Jack Nickel, the former Notre Dame commit, who's from Milton, Georgia, is a really, really high three-star. You have Cam Allen returning, Malik Carr's coming back. So you've got three really intriguing young tight end options. You have Malik Carr, Tyler Hunt might be back. Um, He's still got that final COVID year of eligibility if he wants it. So that's where I'm kind of positioned right now. And I wouldn't rule out, and this is my shocking prediction, I would not rule out Mana Oteote entering the portal. And the bottom line is this. When you are a four-star, and for MSU, getting four stars is few and far between. You maybe get, on a good day, you get three or four class. MSU, obviously, right now, is positioned, if they can get Armani Winfield, we'll talk about it a little bit later, too, will probably get six, six or seven, which is, you know, blows expectations out of the water. This is a guy right now who I had currently penciled in to start at the end of the year. With Jacoby Widman and Brule, I don't know where he fits in right now. Because you have Widman, you have Brule. You have Cal Holiday returning. You have Ben Van Sumeren returning. And then they'll probably add one or two guys, whether it's, you know, in the final class of 2022. So those are my four. Let me know what you think. Yeah. No, you've you definitely thought a lot about this. Uh, Unfortunately, more so, I have, yes. More so than I have. But uh, I do like your – I especially like your, your Simmons pick. Um, it's just – I don't know because he's, he's a guy who has gotten – so many backup reps this season and I, I just you know, I, I don't know if if Mel will kind of steer away from him or um if he's gonna be uh more of an option. I, it really depends um with uh Burger's 
is it Bert? How do you pronounce it? Bert? Burger. 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 Yeah. Like a hamburger. <laughs> um, it really depends on him. And, you know, I, I, uh, I have a lot of faith in what he's going to bring to the table, but, you know, you, you can't be all, all reliant. And I, I think with Simmons, um, you still have that experience. You still, you know, have him having a, a good deal of reps this season. And I don't know. I, I really think it will depend on that. But, yeah, I, I do think that's a good choice because I think he's um, one of the players who's more so kind of on the bubble there, very well could leave. Well, and it's interesting for me if you're looking at guys who, like two years ago, that was your lead down back. That was your leading rusher. Now he's RB4. Yeah. I mean, guys don't like that. Like, if you're going to be a backup your entire life, I hate saying you kind of get used to it being a backup, but you do when you kind of get a taste of the sweetness that is playing when you're a three down back, when, you know, you're a scat back out of the backfield and you're getting 60 to 70% of the carries, the reps or 70% of the total offensive plays. You don't like going back to the sideline. And I think it's going to be really interesting because I think we've only started to see, really see the, the, the beginning of this. I think, you know, Mel Tucker was very adamant that we got to get more guys. We got to get more guys. We got to get more versatile guys. We got to get guys who, you know, in the Jacoby Widman mold, guys who can go at outside linebacker, but can also be that stand-up seven-tech defensive end. Guys who can are sort of more like a Jeff Petrowski who can drop back in coverage, but aren't going to have their hand in the dirt very often at all, are going to be able to rush for the pass or we saw Tank Brown do that a little bit, but most of MSU's guys, their defensive ends, Drew Beasley, Drew Jordan, Jacob Panashuk are more of those traditional hand in the dirt, every down guys. You're not going to drop them back, you know, to try and guard against those crossing routes over the middle. But, you know, I, I don't, did it surprise you at all to see Michael Dowell transfer or Ricky Wright or Michael Gravely? For me, it wasn't really much of a shock. No, especially with Ricky White, since we still just don't really have much of a clue what really happened this season. Uh, with him, but no, it, none of those really came as a surprise to me. Well, and I, you know, I, I, the only one that was mildly surprising was Michael Dowell, because this is a guy who was in the top 10 on the team in tackles. And this is a guy who started a lot last year, who's kind of, it, it was kind of a, the, the same reaction I had when Kalen Gervin and Chase Klein played, especially Gervin, like, wow, guys who actually rotated in, like with the way MSU secondary was so bad, if Gervin stays, he probably starts. I mean, you know, you had injuries to Brantley, injuries to Williams, injuries to Marquis Lowry, but it, it was mildly surprising, but not shocking because it, I, I say it's mildly surprising because Dowell's a Michigan State guy. You had two older brothers that went here. You know, I had the pleasure when I first started of covering David Dowell, who was really, really good. Obviously, his older brother Andrew also played at Michigan State back in the day, but he was losing playing time and losing playing time quickly in that nickel position to Darius Snow. There was no room for him at safety with Angelo Gross and Xavier Henderson. You had Emmanuel Flowers, who was playing on more of the third and long plays, especially earlier in the year because he's more of a traditional center fielder coverage safety. So, you know, props to him for, you know, gutting it out. And, you know, he went through the senior day festivities. So did C.J. Hayes, who's transferring a guy who I thought – could have been really, really good, but, you know, he just got hurt at all the wrong times. The foot injury, he did some really, really good things toward the, you know, the 2018-2019 season, receiving-wise. But this is just the beginning. This is just the tip of the iceberg. I'm going to be really curious to see where this goes from here. But before we talk a little bit more about the 
transfer and recruiting thing. It is story time with Nathan Stearns and Aiden Champion. So, as you guys know, um, Aiden and I are of legal drinking age. So, you know, we are college students. We don't, you know, I'm 22, he's 21. We go to Harper's, which is one of the, you know, bars in East Lansing. It's one of the, you know, kind of hot spots, if you will, for college activity on a Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and, you know, especially during finals week, every single night. But... We're in there having a good time. Um, one of Aiden's friends is uh, turning 21, and I look, and on the table next to me, I'm like, oh, there's a couple of football players. Oh, I think that's Jaden Reed. I mean, you you sent me the picture with Jaden. Oh, there's Charles Brantley. And then, like, 10 minutes later, you just have the entire offensive line. Like, you could feel the ground shake, like 5,000 pounds of massive humanity. And I'm like, okay, there's Nick Samak, there's J.D. Duplain, there's Blake Buter, there's Matt Allen, there's Luke Campbell, there's Kevin Jarvis. And me being the ambassador for the station that I am in the outgoing flower of nurturing that I am, I proceed to go, hey guys, good season, but I know all of them by name. Avery Dawn I go up to, Ian Stewart's there, Terry Lockett's there, guys who are, nobody knows who they are because they never touch the field. Uh, I may or may not have said hi to J.D. Duplain as he was on the way out of the restroom, and by may not, I, I did. He said, wait, how do you know who I am? Well, I'm a reporter, yada, yada. Oh, dude, that's awesome. You got to have me on one of your shows sometimes. All right, bet. Said the same thing to Nick Samick. Shook my hand with Kevin Jarvis. We had a nice little, uh, we talked with a little bit with Avery Dunn, who's one of the backup defensive ends, because, again, they don't know, nobody knows them. They know, they know, oh, they're on the football team, because, you know, the two guys that you do recognize, they're walking around with them. But like we said, I did Jacob Isaiah and Spencer Brown and just a bunch of guys who, you know, really don't get a lot of attention. And right, I, I I think it was Lockett's girlfriend. And, and for those of you who don't know, Terry Lockett's a high three-star recruit out of Minnehaha Academy in Minneapolis. But his girlfriend goes, you need to sign this guy's head. And for those of you who, I have a very big head. I have like, it, it, it is a like bowling ball sized head. And Nate, do you want to tell them the rest of the story? Uh, I think it was his uh, girlfriend who suggested it that uh, he sign your forehead, um, and he he did so with a ballpoint pen. Yeah, but... a blue ballpoint pen, like one of those like little ink pens that you have on like a cup on your desk, like your like a white coffee cup on your desk with like fifteen of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, Context. And that uh, it didn't it didn't show up, right? No, it didn't. I mean, I I thought it did. I mean, he was trying, but I mean, of course, you know, I have a very fat and sweaty head, and he's like trying to write on it and try to hold my head in place. And this wasn't my idea. And then Ian Stewart's over there dying. I'm like this. If only I was nine inches taller, 120 pounds more of muscle, and it wasn't for my bum knee, I could have played at Michigan State. But I'm like, it, it, the, the guys were really nice. We're really thankful. We're really appreciative of, um, you know, our support. They were surprised that we knew them. Um, but you know, it, it, it was definitely an interesting thing. You don't expect to see the entire football team. And like when you have the entire offensive line, like right next to you, this is a big bar and they were right next to us. And then obviously we go to another bar and there's the field hockey team and the volleyball team. And I'm like, okay, so this is what they do <laughs> after their season ends on Wednesday night. I am jealous because I wish I could do the same thing, but, um, well, yeah, what we do after impact hours. I mean, not a good <laughs> point, but, um, before, you know, we have to mention this too. 
Because we're a Michigan State podcast, we're legally obligated to mention, yes, Kenneth Walker got hosed. How a guy that rushes for almost 1,650 yards, knocks down the door of 20 rushing touchdowns, had the same statistics as Derrick Henry and Mark Ingram and yada, yada, yada. How he doesn't get an invite is beyond me. But I wasn't as, what's the word I'm looking for, upset as most people were because I'm an, I'm an eternal pessimist. So, like... When I've heard, and I remember telling Luke this, when I heard, oh, they're announcing four, oh, he's not making it. I know he's not making it. He needed five. And if he gets five, he's going. I truly believe that. I think he was the man. I, I, I think they would have put him in. Turns out, of course he doesn't go. Bryce Young, obviously. Aiden Hutchinson with the way he's been playing in big games. I'm surprised he's in there. Or not surprised. Kenny Pickett. And this has been the big argument, and I'm... Curious for you, Aiden. I've heard people say Stroud should be an over Pickett and Pickett should be an over Stroud. And for me, I think it's no contest and I pick Pickett. I'll tell you why. True or false, Kenny Pickett won his conference. True. True or false, Kenny Pickett has 500 more passing yards. True. True or false, Kenny Pickett has four more passing touchdowns. True. Like we can do this all day, but it's like the guy had more passing yards, had more passing touchdowns. One is conference championship, the ACC. The other guy has three of the best receivers in the Big Ten and maybe in the country, an 1,100-yard rushing back, and didn't even make it to his conference championship. Like, what's what's the argument here for Stroud? Like, what 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 possible ledger do you have to say that Stroud should be in? Once you take statistics and wins out of the equation, yeah, I agree. I mean, I it's it it comes down to the brand. I mean. It's Ohio State. They they've owned the Big Ten uh, for years now, and they've always been in the college football conversation. And the, there's always at least somebody in the Heisman watch. And so, I you know, that that's gonna help Stroud out at the end of the day. But but you're right. I I think he was one of the lesser um, de- uh, deserving candidates. Well, if it was me, I go with five, and, it, you know, again, the Heisman Trophy is losing its luster a little bit every year because 17 out of the past 21 years of quarterbacks won the award. You're telling me 17 out of the past 21 years that the most valuable player on his team and the best player on his team was a quarterback? Guys, there are 20 other positions. It's not it's not just a quarterback game, um, but either way, they got a lot of guys, and I'm not going to – whatever yeah what the heck i will they got a lot of guys down south in the sec that just don't watch big 10 football they got a lot of guys who frankly don't have business voting um oh i'm not gonna have kenneth i mean how pretty oh you got an alabama selection a michigan selection an ohio state selection color me surprised face like i mean and then you know pittsburgh and Pickett was kind of your token minor program sort of dark horse pick. Um, Walker carried that team to a win over now the second best team in the country. Carried that team to a win over Northwestern. And if, again, since people don't watch football, I'll educate them. Kenneth, oh, well, he didn't do anything against Ohio State. Yeah, because he got his ankle twisted by Maryland, against Maryland. He was walking on one leg. Guys, he was 65% against Penn State and went for 140 yards against one of the best defenses from a points-per-game aspect, not just in the Big Ten, but in the country. And he didn't play against Youngstown State because it's Youngstown State, and that's the traditional game if, you know, you're a football power in high school and you schedule a team from Canada and you win 69-10, to where you don't play and you're getting, you know, Donovan Eaglin and Jordan Simmons and all these other guys' reps. If he played every game, 
uh, guys, he's got 1,900 rushing yards and 22 or 23 rushing touchdowns. Like, what? Like, no, I, I, he doesn't win the award, nor does he deserve to win the award. I think, you know, obviously, is everyone saying Bryce Young's the clear runaway favorite? But anyone who says he shouldn't go, give me one reason. Like, this is where I wish we had, like, the sound effect with, like, the dial tone. How did that work when Aiden Hutchinson was playing Kenneth Walker? Oh, what was the guy that had no, or what was the guy that was good in spates, you know, had a couple big plays, but didn't run for 200 yards and five touchdowns? And you can't tell me, this is the other argument I have, and then Aiden, I'll kick it over to you. Um, Aiden Hutchinson's not getting double teamed. Uh, he's got, David is pretty bloody good too. David Njabo's got 11 sacks down there. You can't double team both of them. You pick one or you pick the other and they burn you. So we need to stop acting like, and again, Aiden Hutchinson deserves to go. He's a tremendous player, but all it's heard, this guy's going against three players at once and is, you know, has to walk through Jeff Saturday to get to the quarterback. Would you stop? And then you have the Michigan fans on Twitter. This is why everybody hates you. This is why every year you talk more bleep, bull bleep than everybody else, and you still lose. How does it feel? You know, you're going to, hey, get where's Paul Bunyan at? That one loss that prevented you from having an undefeated season? It wasn't the refs. It's the guy that you claimed wasn't a Heisman Trophy finalist or wasn't a Cal- wasn't in that league. Yeah, no, you, <laughs> you've touched on most of it, but... I just, I don't understand how after, especially after the Michigan game, Walker was the leading Heisman candidate by most people. And at some point it just fell off. And yeah, I I think most people would say it was, yeah, (laughs) most people would have said it was after Ohio State then, but like you said, he was, he was hurt and he bounces back the next week. 140 in the snow with a yeah. busted up ankle right. and has a rushing touchdown. Like, what, what are we doing here, guys? And then, you know, had a very good game again. The only two games where he was a non-factor were against Indiana where the entire offense was a non-factor in Nebraska, but Nebraska does a really good job of making every game ugly. They did the same thing to Stroud. They did the same thing to Haskins and Corm. So I don't get it. At the end of the day, um, an angry Kenneth Walker is a bad thing for the Pittsburgh defense. In the pa- oh, did you know Pitt Narduzzi was the DC at Michigan State for seven years? That I like I've already seen that story so many times, and I want to throw my computer through a wall. Yes, we know. Oh, who's Mark going to cheer for? First of all, who the bleep cares? And second of all, probably the university that he's still getting a massive multi million dollar pension from. Yeah. But you know, before I, it's it's not my angry day. I'm saving my angry day for tomorrow when. The Impact 89 FM takes on the state news and broomball at Mon Ice Arena. We won 16 to nothing last time, so I am quite excited to see how we do. But obviously, we t- we've touched on it a little bit earlier. Michigan State adds Jacoby Widman, Aaron Brewler, Jalen Berger. I love all of these pickups. All three of these guys have significant college production. That's the one thing I think I, I, there's not very many criticisms that you can have for Mel's rec- Mel's transfer portal class last year. The one thing I think you can say is that a lot of the guys you got, Kari Crump, Christian Fitzpatrick, Tank Brown, were light on college experience. These were guys that you were recruiting basically based on their high school tape. You know, Christian Fitzpatrick. Um, These guys don't fit into that mold. These guys are multi-year starters. Jacoby Winman, by far and away the best player on that UNL defense. Jalen Berger. 
this is the argument I have, you know, everybody, well, you know, Berger didn't do much. Well, you know, we're not completely sure why he left Wisconsin, but he left. Guys, he was the leading rusher at Wisconsin as a freshman. Um, If you're at Wisconsin where you have to be a really good running back, because that's all they do, and as a freshman you're starting, that's enough evidence for me. Yeah. Um, you know, these are these are all big pickups. Uh, definitely, and you you asked me on the dock here which of these are my favorite. I'm just going to jump to it right away. And My favorite is Jacoby Women, and, you know, I think these linebacker pickups are huge. Um, as as you said, Stearns, the, not only just the talent, but the experience that they bring. You know, he's a, he's a second-team All-Mountain All West recipient, and he, you know, he, he – Puts pressure on the quarterback, which is definitely something that um, this Michigan State defense needs. They're going to have to look to uh, the corner position uh, going forward, but but it, it does start with these linebackers, and uh, they're making tremendous moves, especially today also with, uh, with the addition of Aaron Brule. Well, and I mean, like we, we got the stats up here for Whitman, 118 total tackles, 11 tackles for loss, six and a half sacks, this past season, those 118 tackles was good for third in the Mountain West. 169 total tackles during his career at UNLV was ranked by 2-7 Sports as the 14th best transfer portal prospect in total. So, obviously that, you know, MSU also adding several really interesting walk-ons. We'll get to that momentarily, but you look at another guy. For me, and I'm going to go into a little bit of a different thing because, for me, a guy like Aaron Brule is... How do I put it? He is what you need, I think, in the middle. You need another Quilvaris Crouch-esque. You know, there's been questions about whether Crouch will be back, you know, with his injury. With We don't know. But this is a guy who had 142 tackles, 18 tackles for a loss over his career at Mississippi State. He had 77 tackles in 2020, eight and a half tackles for loss, four sacks. You know, he was mocked by some guys is a second round pick before the beginning of the 2021 season. Both of these guys are going to have two years of eligibility. You know, Jalen Berger ran for over 300 yards in 2020. These are immediate instant impact players. And where it really gets interesting for me, and this is why we're the best podcast. Cause we don't just, we, we go deeper than everybody else Aiden. but the preferred walk-ons, these guys that MSU has gotten Jake Merritt, Devin Runnels, Ryan Eckley, guys who, you know, when when you initially look, it's like, oh, big deal, or a preferred walk-on, who cares? Andy Hartman, another guy who MSU just added earlier today as a preferred walk-on, the Grand Blank lineman. Guys, these guys had offers to play at other Division I universities. The big one that I circle is Jake Merritt. Jake Merritt had offers from Marshall, had offers from, you know, many, 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 many in-state smaller schools. He had offers from... You know, just like Notre Dame College. Um, and then you have other guys like um, Andy Hartman, the Grand Blank offensive lineman, who we just mentioned that had offers from Bowling Green, Eastern Michigan, you know, Moorhead State. Not schools that you would traditionally think of as powerhouses by any stretch of the imagination. But anytime you can turn your preferred walk-on class into guys that are getting offered by other Division One universities. You know, Merritt, we have his offer sheet up now. Brown, Dayton, Lawrence Tech, Marshall, Northern Michigan. 
That's a good thing. These guys are pitching up an opportunity to go to another Division One university to play football. Not Division Three, Division One to play for you, and they're not getting any monetary incentive. That's big. Yeah, and obviously Michigan State has has a great history of developing their their walk ons. Um, and obviously I'm speaking of Kenny Willickus, who just throw this in here had had better stats than Aiden Hutchinson, but we won't get into that. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely not something to be overlooked, and um, you know these are guys we could be seeing making an impact um, on this team in a few years. Well, and I, you know, these are guys, and the biggest thing that Mel Tucker values is size. Give me guys that are six five and two hundred eighty pounds, and I'll do the rest. Devin Runnels is a big boy out of Flint Beach, or played under former. Um, head coach Courtney Hawkins, who's now obviously the wide receivers coach at MSU. He's like 6'6 and 320 pounds. Ryan Ackley, who they got, who's going to be a preferred walk-on. Probably the heir apparent to Bryce Berenger, was rated as a five-star by Cole's kicking camp. Um, Merritt, a guy who was a two-star by 2-7 sport. Runnels, a two-star you know, two guys who right now are probably a little bit too raw to warrant a scholarship, but they're getting like other collegiate interests. This isn't, you know, I'm not, I'm not, we're not impact Izzo, but this isn't Tom Izzo, you know, throwing a walk-on offer to Steven Izzo or, you know, Davis Smith guys who weren't going to be playing Division One basketball anywhere. You know, guys, especially in the case of Izzo, who were backups at their own little local Lansing College, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm saying, especially in football where the rate of attrition is so high and you have so many injuries and so much sickness and, you know, in today's COVID world where one bad they can take out half of your offensive line group because of COVID-19 protocols. It's a good thing to have. And then obviously, you know, looking forward, MSU is going to be in the running for four-star wide receiver Armani Winfield. As of right now, MSU looks like the odds-on favorite, the former Texas commit. Chris Bogle, who was a high, high four-star recruit in the class of 2019, played at Florida the past couple of years, is kind of in the same mold as Drew Jordan, a guy who rotated in there, who was a really good complimentary piece MSU has has had him on official visits. 247 Sports has a couple crystal ball predictions for him to come. He'd be another massive addition. Spartans recently visiting with Keontae Goodwin over the past week. The five-star offensive tackle from who's still considering Kentucky, but he's not, he's not gonna stay there, folks. He's got Alabama breathing down his neck and Ole Miss and Ohio State. So We'll see. It looks like MSU is going to get defensive lineman Zion Young. You know, Crystal Ball's in for him. Another interesting defensive end commit. And then the big thing for me, Aiden, is the fact that the day after this year ends, Mel Tucker's already out on the recruiting trail again. You've seen the pictures on his Twitter account, flying here, flying there, visiting Michael Masunas in Arizona, visiting Malik Spencer, visiting Braden Miller out in Colorado. Like the day after, the fact that, his ability to kind of pivot on a twist where, you know, instead of taking a week off and saying, you know what, we had a really good year, guys. You know, we're 10 and 2. Let's take a moment to relax because we're not going to the conference championship game. We don't know who we're going to play for, so it's kind of hard to scout for someone who you don't know who you're going to play. But instead, you're already out, you know, busting your butt, and it's paying dividends. I mean, Caleb Coley, a, a former Vanderbilt cornerback commit who's going to be most likely a four-star by the time this is all said and done currently projected to go to msu 
My question for you, Aiden, do you think they find a way to get Winfield and Coley? And do you think that all the four stars that Mel has will stay on that MSU ledger? Uh, it's hard to get all of them. I, I do think, um, I think they get Cooley. Um, I just, you know, I, what I'm really looking at is, is, uh, is Bogle, you know, right now he, he's got the 75% chance, but, um, so, so it's more than likely, but, um, you know, I, it's hard to get all four of them, but, you know, I, I think, I think they at least get three, um, is well, what I would say. Well, in my, in my whole thinking, you know, is that guys like Winfield, so for those of you who don't know, December 15th, next Wednesday's early signing period, guys can sign their NIL, which is illegally binding agreement between the university and it's a lot harder to get out of that once you sign it um that's next week and most of msu's guys are going to sign next week then there's the other you know later delayed signing period in february where if you have any of your four stars that don't sign next week then things get worrisome because you have guys like rayshon benny and aldrick estime who delayed their thing until you know where msu verbal commits and then said now we're going to wait until um we're going to wait until February, just kind of take ledger of where th- everything's are, and then, you know, they end up flipping their commits. But as of right now, Mel Tucker's visited Alex Van Sumeren and Kate Hauser and Dylan Tatum and Jaden Mangum and Antonio Gates, the, the five four-stars four that MSU currently has. They visited Armani Winfield. Armani Winfield's signing next week. There have been some recruits that have said, no, I'm taking this decision up until February. You know, I'm going to take the Christmas break, holidays to just relax. My high school season just ended. January and February, it's going to be open season. Winfield signing next Wednesday, guys. Coley looks like he's going to sign next Wednesday. So whatever school they have, they're pretty comfortable. And these crystal ball selections are normally normally will flip once or twice. You know, obviously in the case of Winfield, it would go from Texas to MSU. Not sure there's enough time for these other schools to get the full court press in. So I'm optimistic. And if you can get Coley... And you can get Winfield. Those are two big ones. I like Zion Young, but he's also a little raw. You know, he's got an 84 composite rating. Big, strong kid, but definitely a redshirt candidate. You know, kind of like a Tyson Watson this year who just, you know, are going to need a little bit more time to become acclimated to the college system. You're talking, mind you, if you get Winfield, that's your highest recruit. And then Cooley, who's right on the edge of that three and four star thing. Let's say he gets the fortuitous bounce by 247 you're talking seven four stars seven and then like five or six other guys that are between the 86 and 88 range which is the high three star category and the three transfers that you got right now and this is what i love about two seven sports for those of you you know go go check this out they finally sort of updated their like overall ratings it used to be they had recruits here transfers here now they include all of that. So, like, MSU's national rank right now is 17, and that's with the transfers that they've got. And that's not, but that's not including the guys who are, you know, obviously coming down the pipe. I'm excited. Like, I don't know about you, Aiden, but there's some really interesting stuff happening. It's not even just the Peach Bowl, but you get those two guys, you're talking about a top 10 recruiting class? And then the guys you got in the portal and, you know, depending on who returns and a Big Ten all-honorable mention quarterback. Meanwhile, I have no idea how Aiden O'Connell was ahead of Thorne. No idea how Cade McNamara was ahead of Payne Thorne, but that, you know, I, I, I digress from that either. At the end of the day, it's 
What, what, what was the old cars thing? It's just an empty cup. You know, so I don't know about you, but there's some really interesting clouds on the horizon for Tucker. Definitely. Yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited as well. And also what I'm really looking forward to is the recruiting that's going to go down in Georgia um, during, uh, during their stay in Atlanta. Um, I think I think there's some promising uh, things that could come out of that. Well, you know, we'll, we'll preview the the Peach Bowl against Pittsburgh as that game gets a little bit closer. Obviously, that game's still three weeks away. But just to give a quick summation of what Pittsburgh is, they're the kind of team that will score 41 against Western Michigan and give up 44 points. No defense, a lot of offense. And that's why, and Luke and, Luke and I disagree with this. Oh, I'd rather play Kenny Pickett you know, because I want MSU to beat them at full strength. I agree with that to an extent, but look, man, a Peach Bowl wins a Peach Bowl win. If he wants to play, go nuts. If he doesn't want to play, the fact that he's undecided right now, I think is a little alarming if you're a Pittsburgh fan, having to learn. You know, there are a lot of guys right now, you know, a- after the season ends, you know, they're, especially if they're not competing for a college football national championship, their mind switches a little bit to the NFL. Their mind switches to, okay, you know, Pickett's a senior. He's going to be heading for the NFL draft. Do I really want to learn a new offensive system in three weeks and win a game, you know, go against this Michigan State team? Without him, if he decides to opt out, MSU by 20. Because because you've got to assume Kenneth Walker is going to be healthy enough. He's been fighting through a lot of, like, nagging things. My... My football coach used to tell me there's a difference between playing playing hurt and playing injured. He's been playing hurt where it's just enough where you can still go out there. You don't have a broken bone. You don't have, you know, your ACL's not in five different little tatters, but, you know, you definitely have strained some things. There are definitely some things that have gotten pulled and exerted more than they probably should have. But do you think that Pickett plays in the bowl game or doesn't? I don't think he will. Um, I think he's going to play it safe. And, you know, it It might be the smart decision. Uh, I, I'm i kind of leaning that way. I think it is. Um, but, you know, I, I got I to agree with Sloan here. I, I would rather see him play. I just, I just want to see the challenge. I would love nothing more than to see – Kenneth Walker outshine him and prove to everybody he should have been going to New York, but, um, you know, it's that, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't think he will. I think he doesn't want to hurt his stock. He doesn't want to risk getting injured. And, um, you know, I, I think he's going to call it a season. Well, and this is where, and may, maybe this is me just saying, well, because if they have Pickett and a lot of their guys return, it's going to be, I don't want to say an uphill climb for MSU because I think it's going to be a very high-scoring game either way. But Pittsburgh scores, they're, they're in the same like wavelength as Ohio State. 43 points a game. You're going to write them down for 35 points. And whenever MSU's had to play competent secondaries, it's been bad. And you can't overturn all that's wrong on that backhand in a month. And we've seen David Bell shred the Spartans. We've seen Jackson Smith, the Jigba and Jahan Dotson. Jordan Anderson might go postal. 
This is a guy, for those of you who don't know, for Pittsburgh, 93 catches, almost 1,500 receiving yards, 17 touch touchdowns. They got four guys with over 400 receiving yards. Jared Wayne, another solid option, 654 catches, five touchdowns. Tasir Mack, 461 yards, three touchdowns on 27 receptions. I mean, it goes down and down and down and down and down. Pittsburgh runs the ball a bit more than you would expect from like a traditional West Coast offense, i.e. Purdue. But by and large, it comes through the air. Kenny Pickett, 4,319 yards. That's the fifth best mark in the country. 42 passing touchdowns. That's the third best mark in the country. And then a QBR of 81.5. That's the seventh best mark. That's terrifying. Like, MSU's chances of winning, period, go up exponentially if he doesn't play. Already, your OC, not there helps, but I think if Pickett plays, MSU's going to be the underdog. I really do. Yeah, they definitely will. I mean... Even they, though they're ranked higher than yeah, you know, on the college football yeah, playoff yeah. standings. Um, and that's why, you know, I, I say I wish, I hope he... I hope Pickett plays, but it's also like it's a catch twenty two. Because like if Pickett doesn't play, if Pickett doesn't play, the expectation is you're going to win handily. Yeah, but on the other hand, you might get get another Ohio State. And that's what's that's what's so scary for me is it's there's not been like every single time this Spartan defense has played a good quarterback, it's been horrible. There, it's not been like a you know. A wishy-washy thing where it's yeah. Sometimes they answer the bell. Sometimes they don't. No, guys. Bailey Zappi went for almost 500 yards. Yeah. Aiden O'Connell went for over 500 yards. Cade McNamara went for over 350. Sean Clifford, who's been the Walking Dead lately, goes for over 303 touchdowns and has a completion percentage of over 60 percent. Like, I just, oh man. I mean, it, it helps you know if Walker and Naylor are back, and obviously it would come down to shortening the game, like what you did it against Penn State, especially in the second half, where the best way to keep Pickett from beating you is to keep his keep him on the sideline. You need those 15, 16, 17 play drives that are eight or nine minutes long. MSU did a really good job of that with that 99-yard drive, the second play of the game. But I'm going to be curious. And then the other thing for me is we've heard all year about how it's the Big Ten and the SEC, the Big Ten and the SEC, in terms of the two best football conferences, how they're kind of the runaway 1A and 1B, and then, you know, there's 50 feet of dirt, then there's the ACC, and then there's 54, 50 more feet of dirt, and then there's the Big 12, and then how there's 1,000 feet of dirt, and then whatever the Pac-12 is is kind of on the same wavelength as the Mountain West and the American right now, but I digress. Do you think that Michigan State, you know, that we're either overselling Michigan State because they play in the Big Ten or we're underselling Pittsburgh because they play in the ACC, or do you think the evaluations have been pretty down the middle? Uh, I I think it's pretty down the middle. I mean, you just look at the seasons they both have had and, um, you know, as as great of an offense as, as Pittsburgh has, it's... Their defense it, is awful. And that's well, the... They're, they're number six in rushing defense in the nation. Um which is kind of it's pretty alarming but uh yeah they're they're like I was looking earlier they're 106 in passing defense so and that and I'd say that's the that's the kicker if you look and I'm I, when I evaluate an opposing defense 
one measure, one measure only. Give me points per game. I don't care about yards. I don't care about, oh, they allowed, well, great, how many points did they score? Oh, do you get more points for scoring 500 yards of total offense right. than you do 150? No, you don't. But these are facts. Beat Tennessee 41 to 34. Lost to Western Michigan 44 to 41. Lost to Miami at home 38 to 34. Let Duke, who is one of the worst Power Five teams every year, score 30. Let Virginia score 38 despite winning 48 to 38. Like, there's some games this year. I mean, and then you have, you know, the FCS game against New Hampshire where they win 77 to 7, but there's some games in there where it's like, oh boy, like, you, you, sorry, Duke is not a, Duke should not be scoring 30 against you. Miami should not be scoring 38 against you. Virginia sure as heck should not be scoring damn near 40 points. So I'm curious. Um, I think, but I think it's the perfect test for MSU. And I was excited. You know, obviously I wanted to go to the Fiesta Bowl. We, you know, I got family down there, but what excites me about this game, not only is it, it, it you're in your own little slot, man. And like you're in that December 30th, late night, you know, seven to 10 30 slot. If you're playing the Fiesta Bowl, the Outback Bowl's going on, the Citrus Bowl's going on, you got a lot of other New Year's Day bowl games going on. Nobody's playing on the 30th. Nobody, you know, nobody of substance. Like that's you. Everybody's watching you on ESPN. You don't have three other channels that you can flip it to because there's four other games going around. And it's the perfect way. It's the perfect challenge for MSU. What has resulted in your two losses has been the thing that you're going to face. Right. I think if you play Notre Dame, you know, it's it's going to be a little bit more ground pound, ground pound, ground pound, ground pound, ground because that's what they do. And, you know, normally when you have a Marcus Freeman, who I think is going to be very, very good, but, you know, you know, just as a little sidetrack, the fact that his first head coaching game is going to be in the Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma State, an angry Oklahoma State team who lost in the most heartbreaking fashion imaginable, it's good and it's bad because it could get ugly really quickly, but also gives you the opportunity to say, you know what? Our secondary was bad. It lost us the game at Purdue. It lost us the game at Ohio State. But we have one final opportunity to make it right. We have one final opportunity to shut down a Heisman Trophy finalist in his offense. We have one final opportunity in front of the entire nation in a New Year's Six Bowl game to, to, to shut people up. And I think you have to welcome that challenge if you're Mel Tucker. Definitely do. That'd be... The perfect way to cap off this season, um, you know, you you just listed all those huge challenges that uh, that they're going to be faced with, and ultimately it is do can they answer? And this game will define who what this Spartan team was this year, and you know, I think a big thing that's going to help is that they're, um, you know, they're going to be healthy and. Um, I think health is going to play Happy a... and healthy. <laughs> <laughs> Inside joke. Yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to play a big factor. Like um, a damn sociopath. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> so, a lot is on the line. <clears throat> and, you know, it, as it has been before uh, for Michigan State, and they haven't necessarily answered. So, it'll be interesting to see if uh, if they can do so for one final time. Well, and but the bottom line is, you know, there, there there's going to be coaching moves. Obviously, MSU loses Travaris Tillman, that cornerback's coach for MSU, who was under Tucker in 2019, who had done some good things. And, you know, especially you saw the development of Charles Brantley. You saw him really come into his own before getting hurt. You know, he played one of the best games of any MSU corner, I think, in a long time 
against Michigan, not just because of the one-handed interception, but because of all the open field tackles that he has. So I'm interested to see how does that affect your preparation on the back end? Does Harlan Barnett take more of a, because he's dealt more with the safeties this year, does he bring the quarterbacks in? Or do you have Mel Tucker come in, you know, who's been a quarterbacks and defensive backs coach at Georgia and at Ohio State and was a defensive coordinator in the NFL and got to where he is today because of his sustained success with secondaries. I almost think this allows MSU and allows Mel to say, well, he's out of the game. You know, he he's at Georgia Tech. Good for him. You know, he's going back to where he played and was so good. I'm going to take care of the corners now. Like, let Harlan work with the safeties. This is going to be my time with them. I had a little bit of extra time to prepare and I'm curious to know what you think. Do you think Mel's going to move over and kind of help with the defensive backs in the meantime until they find a permanent coach? I think he should. I think he definitely should. I mean, that's his expertise. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think he will. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if it'll necessarily be to that extent, but I definitely think he'll take he'll take advantage of that um, and uh, and help out in that in that area. Before we sign off here, folks, I'm going to play a little game with Aiden. And I know he doesn't even know the game. Like I said, I actually wrote it in the document. We're going to play a quick game of staying or leaving because I'm really curious. You had some guys that for MSU that initially said, yep, I'm leaving at the end of this year. Yep, peace out. You know, I've, I've, I've spent my time in the program and they've kind of retracted it a little bit. Xavier Henderson after the Michigan game said, you know what? This, you know, this has been a heck of a ride, I think, at the end of this year, though I'm ready to take the next step. I'm ready to go to the NFL. Now he's undecided, and he didn't participate in the Senior Day festivities. Bryce Berger, meanwhile, does participate in the Senior Day festivities, and now there's rumors flying around. He'll be returning, you know, obviously, if you subscribe to Justin Thine's 247 message boards, Thine, you know, a guy who's pretty on the money and is pretty, pretty accurate when it comes to predicting these things. All right, Aiden, Kenneth Walker, staying or leaving? leaving why unfortunately uh i think just you know we talked about this but the fact that they brought burger on board um i think says a lot and that um you know he's going to be the guy and i feel like this has already been it's probably already been discussed behind closed doors um definitely and, has, yeah yeah and you know this is uh he he's done what he's needed to. He has nothing more to prove in college football. It's his time. Xavier Henderson stays or leaves. I think he stays. I think the the fact that um, he's become indecisive uh, indecisive is um, is kind of a flag that uh, that he's considering staying. So I think when at this point, um, when you're weeks away from the bowl game and you're you're still kind of on the fence. Um, you know, I, I, I would, I would say he's probably going to lean more towards staying. Jaden Reed. Uh, he's going, um, I think, uh, you know, I, I think he'll have a decent stock. Um, but, uh, he's, I don't know, like, like Kenneth, I think he's just proved, um, what he's needed to. And, um, I, I, I don't think he really has anything more that's holding him back to stay, especially after, um, you know, uh, an overachieving season that the Spartans have had. All right. As we move down the list of fun here, Kevin Jarvis. Ah, 
you know, I I think with these linemen, I I I, I think he stays. Um, I think uh, I'm I'm gonna say these linemen in question, both of them, uh, will stay because I just. I think they have something to prove. Um, you know, they they had a heck of a season for Walker, um, but you know, I think a lot of people might be saying that that was all Walker, and I think uh, they're gonna want to come back and prove that you know they can uh, they can be a solid group uh, up front for anybody. Well, he does. He didn't participate in the senior thing. That's the big thing. For that's me. all. Yeah. That's why. That's why I agree with you on. Jarvis, Jalen Naylor. I think Naylor will stay. Um, I think he he's a guy who uh, who still has some more to prove, and I think he's going to want to be the guy next year. Blake Booter. Yeah, I again, I I think he stays as well. Um, just uh, just because he, he he's going to he he's got a chip on his shoulder. I think. This, this whole line um this is a group that has been beaten up this year but i th- i think uh i think a lot of them will want to stay and prove something so and then let's see you got Bryce Barron Bryce Barringer uh <laughs> like i know you're I'm, I'm bro i'm blowing your brain out right now <laughs> I think he'll stay. Um, not really any rhyme or reason, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. We'll see how I how I do with these. <laughs> All right. Yep. I probably will definitely. Any of you Ledger. disagree with me on here? Henderson, I think goes. Um, I I I think he's indecisive. Yes, but I still think it, it, I, part of it's going to be how they end the bowl game. Yeah. I think if they, they go 10-3, and three, um, it's going to be more likely. They might want to run it back one more time. But I also think there's this aspect of I've done all I can do. You know, I, I quarterback this defense. It's enough time. You know, it's time for Angelo Gross and Darius Snow and A.J. Kirk and Kendall Brooks and a lot of these guys behind me to sort of take the reins and run with it. Other than that, no. Buter, I'm not sure on. Jarvis, I think, comes back just because he has the chance to. He will be their best offensive lineman, bar none. He's probably, I don't know whether he's your starting right tackle or left tackle. He'll start somewhere. Buter, the only reason I'm a little bit more hesitant is because he doesn't have as much of a surefire path to a starting job. If I'm going to be returning, I want not assurance, but like you you know in your own head whether you're, like if you're Naylor, whether you're going to be starting or not. No guarantee Buter starts because J.D. Duplain's coming back, Nick Samak at center, Matt Carrick is back. You know, he's already confirmed that he's coming back, you know, with that tweet after he hurt. So you're going to have to contend with Duplain and Carrick. Duplain's not going anywhere. You know, you're going to have to – and if I, it's like, well, I'm just going to be rotating with Carrick every other series, I'm not sure that's a good enough excuse. That being said – it does give him an opportunity to buy an extra year for that NFL film because I thought he played very well at right guard. I think that's the best position that suits him as sort of that road grader guy that just mauls people and opens up gaps. But there's also, you know, he struggles inside with speed rush or sometimes with um, opposing twists and stunts up front. He loses his man and doesn't pass it off as much as you like. So I don't know. 
I think there are reasons that you can argue he leaves and arguments that he says he stays. And then I think obviously Bryce Berenger stays. There's been the 247 report and the fact that MSU didn't give a scholarship to Eckley, I think is really revealing. You don't have another punter. I mean, Mitchell or not Mitchell Crawford, um, Cody Waddle, who is Texas Tech's backup punter for a couple of years. He's gone after this year. MSU as of right now is not going to get another punter in this recruiting class. So I think the fact that there there's been no ripples, you know what I mean? There's like with Winman, with, um, with some of the other guys with Jalen Berger, you kind of heard, Oh, they're visiting MSU. Oh, MSU's interested in them. You haven't heard hide or tail about that in the punting category. You've not heard whatsoever that MSU's interested in a punter in the portal, that they're interested, you know, that they're conducting home visits to a punter that still needs to be picked up. So I do think Behringer comes back, but other than that, you know, it's we're, we're, we're at the end of the road here. You know, Michigan State's got one final game. We just found out our Peach Bowl credentials have been approved, so I am very, very happy about that. But here's a little interesting tidbit for you guys that are listening. The two teams in the Peach Bowl last year that played, Cincinnati and Georgia, Georgia's, Georgia obviously won in a nail-biter. They're in the playoffs this year. So maybe there's something about playing in the Peach Bowl that elevates teams to the college football playoff all is right in the world on the campus of michigan state university the men's basketball team is good obviously knocking off minnesota 75 to 67 last night in minneapolis spartans now eight and two are going to be heading toward a top 15 rating michigan state going to be in a new year six game three big transfers really good recruiting class coming in um, we all hate finals week, but you know, it's, it, it's been a heck of a ride. You know, I don't know how many more of these SRZ sessions we're going to do with the holidays coming up. You know, I'm sure we're going to, we're going to have a way to do one more. I'll be it probably, you know, virtually before we fly down to Atlanta and then fly back on new year's day, which should be really, really interesting. But, um, the Penn state game, you know, and I, I was telling, you know, Zach this because Zach's got two more years but you and I you know are in the same boat what a way to go out on a win you know when we're doing our when we're doing our last home game with the snow and the sleet and you know it's Big Ten weather and we're doing our stand-up on the field and I'm fiddling with the tripod and you know I got snow coming down on my iPhone and my hands are all gross and slippery and I can't get a good grip on the phone and there's getting water in the case and all that crap is happening the way that MSU won that game, like, you know, we're, we're student journalists and, you know, we're supposed to be objective and we, we try to be as best as we can, especially with everything we write on the broadcast. Podcasts are obviously a little bit different, but we are still Michigan State students. We still get paid by the university, so there is a little bit of bias. You know, I, I don't think we're ever going to try and shy away from that. And that was a thrilling, exciting win because, you know... You you want to, you want to see them go on and win. And it's not just the fact they went on to win; it's how they did it, and it's just you know it, it it helped to establish what Michigan State, except for Purdue and Ohio State, has been all year. Where you're going to punch them in the face ten times, but they're going to punch you back eleven. You know that fifteen round fight that Mel Tucker refers to. Spartans obviously going to have a chance to get to eleven wins. And if you win that game, you'll be a top ten team, as you said, Aiden. Is it Big Ten championship or bust next year if they beat Pittsburgh? I would say yes. Yeah, um, especially like with, where do you go from here? That's the thing. Yeah, um, no, I, I think it it is at that point now, especially just with everything coming into play now with uh, Tucker's new contract and um, and with 
the recruiting class that they're bringing in, you know, I think uh, they've established something greater. The the expectations are rising significantly, and I think they will be year after year. Because um, it's a new era now. It is. Um, and, uh, and, you know, that's all and thanks to to Tucker and what he's done so far in these two seasons. So, yeah, I I think it is a uh, Big Ten championship or bust, and they were nearly there. Um, just uh, they're, they're miles behind Ohio State, and uh, I, I think, uh, think you work out those kinks in that defense, and I, I think you'll be right there, so. Well, that's kind of cool. They have a media party from six to nine at this old luminary, a new immersive. Inter- oh wow, that is Atlanta is okay. But anyway, I uh, I got my mind kind of set on um, my mind's kind of floating. But and, and this is and the fact we're talking about this is I thought this was going to be a transitionary year, and then you know next year you'd be trying to get to eight, nine, ten wins and get to one of those upper tier bowl games. But for Michigan State guys, I mean, it's real. Kenneth Walker just got the Doak Walker Award. You know, that goes to the best running back in the country. It just what can what can you say? I mean, you're ten and two, you're returning Peyton Thorne, and I think people are underestimating that everybody's so focused on, oh, what's gonna happen to Jaden Reed? What's gonna happen to Kenneth Walker? Guys, you got one of the best quarterbacks in the Big Ten coming back next year. Yeah. And he he's carried Michigan State to a lot of, you know, Walker's been one A, but Thorne's been one B, and I think Thorne's kind of been undersold the big throws against Michigan that he made time and time and time again. Thorne was the only reason they had a pulse in that Purdue game. Penn State made throws time and time again. Yeah, Jaden Reed had the beautiful jump ball, but Thorne, you know, how many third and longs did he have? Or the three-man rush where he has to scramble outside of the pocket and he throws it to Trey Mosley in the back corner of the end zone. Or what he did against Miami, you know, and it just... When you, when that position is settled, everything else kind of goes from that. You have a good quarterback... That's why I, I think, you know, as you said, you know, and then with who they're adding in the portal, you got to trust they're going to add more on the back end. I think you're going to see another season where Michigan State may get up to as much as 10 transfers, and you're going to see plenty more guys leave because you're going to have a lot of guys that, you know, are hanging on right now because, like, okay, I want to see where, um, where you know, are we going to pick up another corner? Are we going to pick up, like, who's going to leave? Who's going to stay? A lot of guys are on the fence right now because they want to see who Mel goes and gets. Yeah. You know, if I'm a cornerback and I'm right on the edge right now of playing, not playing, and then, you know, I just add a four-star corner and then, you know, I don't know, Joe Schmo from Alabama, then, yeah, I'm probably going to head out because I can read the writing on the wall. So a lot of really exciting things. All is right in the world. You know, we're not going to go scorched earth, angry, angry today. You know, Mel Tucker is, you know, should be in the running, is in the running for the AP Coach of the Year Award. What he's done this year has been nothing short of sensational. And, you know, as much as I hate saying it, what Jim Harbaugh has done at U of M this year has been nothing short of sensational. Michigan has a real chance to win a national championship this year, something that, especially after the MSU game, I think we all wrote it off as, oh, it's just going to be another Harbaugh year, another Harbaugh year where he can't beat his rivals, where he loses to MSU, where he loses to Ohio State. They get nine or ten wins and will go to the, Peach Bowl or the Outback Bowl again, you know, where they're good, but they're not good enough. And we were wrong. I was wrong about that. I didn't think they would have the gumption to go out there and beat Ohio State, but boy, they did. And they left no doubt as to who was better team on the field. But uh, you got anything else, partner? I don't. I don't. I'm uh, I'm looking forward to traveling to Atlanta with you and uh, 
I'm the all-American boy. <laughs> All right, folks. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, this has been the latest edition of Spartan Reds, and I'm your man, Nathan Stearns. For Aiden Champion, we'll talk to you next time.